I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, put your hands together for our worship team. Don't they do just a, such a great job? Just so, such an amazing thing. You're so good. Hey, I wanted to just take a moment to brag a little bit about our Christian school. We do this a couple times a year because uh, we believe it's one of the most uh, important ministries that we do. Uh, we know there's a lot of other options out there, but we're really excited about our Christian school. We now have about 620 students in our Christian school. I think that's pretty awesome. Continues to grow when we're moving to different campuses with our Christian school. And um, I think that some of the best kids come out of our Christian school, 13,000 of them, doctors and lawyers. And I put my kids through there. I put my grandkids through there. Actually, my kids are putting their grandkids through. But um, it's just been a beautiful uh, opportunity to see them grow in Jesus. And um, one of the things that we wanted to point out to you, which I think is really cool, is we have the opportunity to partner with a ministry called Maranatha Music. They're known all over the world for their music. They came to us and wanted to do a worship CD for kids with our kids. And so we have a CD right now that's all over the world that is our own kids doing worship. I mean, I listen to it myself. It's some great songs. It's called Good, Good Father. We sang that song this morning. And so right after uh, service today as a celebration of everything that we're doing, we're, we're just allowing these to go out the door for about five bucks, which is really just our cost. Pick them up, listen to them. I believe when, you, when you're driving, like angels will actually show up in your car. It's that good. Can I hear an amen? Some of you are laughing. It's true. I had four of them this week show up in my car. It was great. So, hey, listen, we are um, continuing a series that we started last week called Too Good to Be True. And it's a series about relationships. And as we look across this room and we talk to any person that's online, the reality is, is that we have relationships all around us. Our desire and our heart is that those relationships would be healthy, that they would be long-lasting, that they would be life-giving. And that's really the goal of this particular series is how do we help each other to do healthy relationships? Unfortunately, we know that life can be tough and challenges can happen and relationships can be difficult. Anybody have one or two of those? Come on, wave at me. There's four of you. Good. Well, this series will be just really good for the four of you. But um, the reality is, is that despite our challenges and despite some of the dysfunctions that might be around us, God has a plan for your relationships. The reason we called this series Too Good to Be True, because so many people today when it comes to relationships, and we talk about this idea of healthy, long-lasting relationships, People would just say this, oh, it's too good to be true. But when you look at the word of God and you look at what it has to say and some of the principles and guidelines that are established for us, we recognize that if we can align our lives and align our relationships in the way that God had in mind, we can actually experience the relationships that we all desire to have. And so as we think about this particular area about relationships, you know, we started last week talking about a foundational truth called created to connect. And if uh, you didn't get a chance to hear that last week, it's on the website, it's on our app, I would encourage you to, to just really dive in and understand this foundational truth. 
And the whole idea of last week and where this whole series is going is that the health of our relationship with God determines the health of our relationship with others. And the more that we have an intimate, personal, close relationship with God, the healthier our relationships will be around us. Because everything that we need to do life comes from him. And unfortunately, so many people today spend little time with God and wonder why their world is falling apart around them relationally. It's because you tried to do it on your own. And listen, if you're looking for uh, finding some more grace or some more love or forgiveness or overcoming some obstacles, that doesn't come by breathing on a brown paper bag or hyperventilating and beating on your chest. It comes from spending time with him. And he'll give you the power. He'll give you the strength. He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. He gives you love and everything that you need to where all of a sudden when you're done spending time with him, you can now go into a relationship with strength and looking at that relationship the way that God wanted it to be. And if this is true, the opposite is true. That if you're lacking a relationship with God, the relationships around you will be hindered. I wish it was different, but it's just simply true. The Bible says that without him, you can do nothing. Relationships fall into that category. And I find that those today, again, where they're, they're having the biggest marriage challenge or relational challenge with someone, oftentimes when we ask the question, listen, how much time are you spending with him? Well, you know, I've been kind of busy. And it always comes back to this one central thought that just simply there's not a lot of connection with him, therefore relationships all around us struggle. Created to connect. But as we think about this and we, we look at this particular truth, we realize that Jesus had a plan in mind for you and me. And we find a portion of scripture in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. If you have your Bible, you can open up to there if you have our app. Again, I would encourage you to download that. All of the notes, all of these slides are there. It's also on our website. It's on the back of your bulletin. You want to make sure that we get as much truth around you as we can. But Jesus is having this conversation with his father. It's towards the end of his earthly life. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. John 17 is a chapter, probably one of the greatest unity prayers that we ever see that's taking place between God and Jesus. And he's having a conversation, and this is what's so important about this scripture. He's thinking about you and me. He's in the garden 2,000 years ago, and he has you in mind. He's thinking about you. He's praying about your relationships. He's hoping and desiring that every single one of us would have a level of relationship like he had with his father. And so he has this prayer, this conversation with Jesus, excuse me, with the father about us. And I want you to see this here. And this is what Jesus prayed. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, he says, but for all who will ever believe in me. Anybody here believe in Jesus? So he's saying, I'm praying for every person that just raised their hand. He says, and through their message, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. And when you stop and you think about that prayer, Jesus is saying this. 
I wish that people today that follow me would love each other as much as we love each other, Father. And you think about the, the trust and the love and the care and the, the, the unwavering um, intimacy that took place. He says, that's what I'm praying. Seems a little bit too hard to believe or too good to be true, doesn't it? But this is his prayer. And he goes on and he says, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, I'm in you. And he says, and may they be in us. So not only will they have a relationship with unity this way, but there would be intimacy this way. And he's beginning to connect this thought that I, I just pray that they would have this personal, intimate, daily, ongoing relationship with us, Father, so that when they do relationship everywhere else, they have everything that they need to make it right. And he goes on, he says, I've given them the glory that you've given me so that they may be one as we are one. And he finally says, and I am in them and you are in me and may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Lord, let them love each other so much that the world that's broken and dysfunctional and hurting and falling apart, the hatred, the political tension, the injustice that takes place, that they look at us and they begin to recognize that there's something different about us that call themselves children of God, that they come by the thousands to find healing and hope and peace and unity and relationship in the way that God desired. This is Jesus' prayer. And when you look at this, you realize this one thought is that life just doesn't seem to go that way oftentimes. I mean, you just stop and you think about the world in which we live. You just think about your own world. Think about your neighbor, your coworker. Maybe it's your spouse or your children or a sibling or your parent, whatever it might be. And again, our desire is that we have these kinds of relationships that are whole and healthy. But because the world is broken and dysfunctional, we find ourselves in these relational spaces where we get hurt, where there's anxiety and worry and doubt and pressure and depression. I mean, we could put together a long list of emotions that happen because we find ourselves in a place that really doesn't line up with the will of God. And so today I want to talk about this big thought. I want to talk about relational boundaries. How do we do life in this broken, dysfunctional world? How do we do relationships with people around us, even if they might be toxic? Maybe they're dysfunctional. Our heart and our desire is that they get healthy and whole. But reality is that oftentimes they're not. So how do we do life in a broken, hurting world? Because what we're going to find out today is that if we can find out this truth and apply it to our life, is that we can be a lot healthier and whole with everyone else around us simply because we understood what God's plan was for us in these kinds of situations. And so I just want to talk about these particular thoughts about this, this idea of relational boundary. And, and, and I want to begin with, with just kind of taking us back and recognize that, that when we were born, every single one of us, there was this internal drive for us to connect. 
God put it in us. You look at, you look at humanity today and society, everybody has this thing inside of them. Intrinsic to their nature is this desire to connect with God. John 6, says that the Father draws us towards him. And the first thing that we see is that, that God wants to have that personal relationship with us because he knows that everything that you need comes from him. And that particular relationship with him is built on the foundation of trust because he will never hurt you. He will never do anything contrary to his word. He always has your best interest in mind. He wants to bring peace to you and love and mercy and healing and hope and grace and whatever you need in that moment. He is Jehovah Jireh and he wants to provide for you. How many are glad that we serve a God that is that kind of a God? And so he draws us to him so that we can get what we need. We think we're gonna get it every other place in another relationship or a career. Maybe it's some kind of hobby that we have and we're searching for love in all the wrong places. But he's saying, no, you find that in me and so there's this drive in us to be drawn to him to receive everything that we need. This is what Psalm 910 says, it says this. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. Because they know, you know, I know, that it's the only place for us to get what we need. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, a very famous scripture says, trust in the Lord with all of your what? All of your heart. And it says, lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and what? He will direct your paths. The second thing that we see, not only does God want to draw us to him, but as we're drawn to him and we receive his love and his grace and his understanding, he then wants us to connect with others. We were born, as we talked about last week, we were born relational beings. You go all the way back into Genesis, one of the very first scriptures that comes out is God's talking about Adam. Eve's not even yet created yet in Genesis 2.18, and he says this, it's not good for man to live alone. And all the husbands said, amen, right? Come on. It's just, it's not good. You don't know how to clean up after yourself or cook or put the dishes away, and all the wives said, amen, or put the toilet seat down or whatever it might be that you struggle with. Ecclesiastes says this. It says that two are better together than one alone. And as you read that particular scripture, it's talking about that when you fall, a friend, if you're with him, can always pick you up. And woe to the man that doesn't have a friend. We were created to be together. And I go back to what I previously said. The reality is, unfortunately, as we open up our hearts and as we believe the best and as we desire these kinds of relationships, sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes there's someone that just says something or does something that shatters your life. It could be maybe that your spouse left you for someone else. Your father, your grandfather, your brother abused you. It could be a boss took advantage of you. 
Maybe a friend betrayed you and said something bad about you. And again, it, it wasn't what we wanted. We just wanted to be loved. We wanted relationship. And we open up our hearts and we just were desiring this thing that God created us desire. And as soon as we open up our hearts, like, bam, it's just like, ah, your world comes to like this shattering stop. It's like running full speed through a sliding glass door. It's like, Come on, anybody ever experienced any of those before? And it's like, if we don't understand that that's what happens often in life, and then understand how to deal with those tragic moments, this is what begins to happen. We begin to build walls, and we begin to treat everybody as if the whole world, including God, maybe even hurt us. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a real funny, hard place. And so we have to go back to this thought. We, we, we have to realize that relationships, and let's go back to God because this was his design. Relationships were supposed to be built on this idea of trust. And when you think of the word trust, it means the ability to be vulnerable with another person and not feel threatened. That you come to this place where you can just, you can just be you. You can just share your deepest hearts and your deepest thoughts and your deepest emotions and just be you. That's called trust. And when you look at this word trust in, in Scripture, in the, in the Old Testament, 116 times, we see this word trust show up, and it's trust in God or trust in others. It's, it's a Hebrew word. It's the word batak. And it simply means this, careless, carefree. It's not careless like living life careless and just kind of doing what you want to do. It means that you live life careless. There's, there's, you're free from care or concerns. That when you're in a relationship, it's like, there's nothing that you have to hold back because that relationship is batak. It's, it's carefree. And when I think about that, and again, you may have a relationship like that or many like that. I'm thankful I have some of those relationships in my life. I think about my wife. I've been married 38 years, madly in love with my wife. She knows every detail about my life. She can ask me anything. I can tell her knowing that despite what I might say, she has my best interests in mind. She's not going to go talk to her friends about me. She's going she's to protect me. I can trust her. I have that relationship with Walter Madison, Dylan Jones. There's a couple guys around here that are, are like my best of best friends that I can, just, I can just open up and talk with. I mean, Walter can just come to me and say, Mark, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your thoughts? How's your marriage? How's your thought life? I want to say, hey, everything's good. He goes, no, I, I really want to know what's going on. I'm thankful that I can be vulnerable and honest because it allows me to build trust and out of trust comes the foundation of bonding and love and the relationships that we all have. And if you don't have trust, you really don't have relationship. I'll say that again. If you really don't have trust at the foundation, you really don't have relationship. 
And when I think about that, you know, again, just think about when you were born. You're born into this world and you don't have any clue how to do anything. I mean, you're just, you're filling your drawers, right? You're, you're just, you're incapable of eating. You can't, you just kind of, I mean, you can't even talk. And you're totally trusting. You don't even know it yet, but what God is doing, he's, he's building into your life this idea that trust is what establishes bonding, and bonding is what establishes love and relationship. And what happens in life is that when trust is broken, the bond is broken, therefore the relationship is hindered. And it's important to understand that because when broken trust happens, it's, it's again, it's not our desire not to trust, it's the problem results in the fact that, that we faced pain as a result of our trust. All of us want to, come on, how many want to trust someone? I mean, how many find it that it's hard that when trust is broken to trust someone? It's because we face the pain of broken trust. And it's in those moments when you sit there and you look at your life, and it's shattered by some situation, by some person, you've got to grab a hold of yourself and just go, okay, how am I going to braille my way through life to hopefully repair or at least uh, minimize the impact of this relationship, but not allow it to affect all my other relationships? And what happens if we're not careful, and again, these are a couple ways that you can tell if you're struggling with what I'm talking about. Dr. John Townsend in his book, he has a great book called Beyond Boundaries, and he says that there's four things that human beings typically do when they're hurt by someone else. Number one is they do this, is that they, they withdraw. Why? Is because it's just easier to do life alone. I just don't want to talk to that person. I don't want them in my life anymore. I just want to avoid contact. I want to just build a wall. Unfortunately, the very bricks that we use to imprison other people out imprison us in. So we just build walls. We just withdraw. Here's another thing that people typically do is they, they divert their energies elsewhere. It's just like, you know, I want this in my marriage, but because he can't or she can't give it to me, I'll just go find affirmation somewhere else. I'll go find it in a career or a hobby. Maybe I'll find it in some kind of interest. Maybe it's another relationship. I talk with people all the time that are going through adulterous or affairs. It's, it didn't start because they wanted an affair. It's just simply because what they wanted, they didn't get. And because they built a wall, they find themselves in a conversation with someone that will actually give them. And before they know it, they have affections and they fall into a relationship. And it only complicates not only that, but their world and their life. And if we don't get a hold of these things at the very beginning when they happen and realize that if we continue to live our life in them, it will only complicate this thing called relationships. Here's a third one. is we punish people. We get mad at them. 
I'm going to sleep on the couch for the next week, right? I'm just going to punish you. Your back's all hurt going to work. Yeah, I punish you, right? You know, and it's just like we want to do stuff. We're going to give them the silent treatment. And all of a sudden, we begin behaving in a way, instead of figuring out how to build healthy boundaries, we start punishing that individual. And have you noticed that when you do that, really, you're not only punishing yourself, but everyone else around you? The old saying, you know, you get mad at your husband, and then you walk out, and you kick the dog, and the dog bites the cat, and the cat kills the mouse, and the mouse, you know, just. How about this one? We lean into our bad habits. We all have them. Isn't it interesting that they seem to stuck up, stick up their ugly head the most when we're facing the biggest relational tensions? Alcohol, it's gonna drink away my problem, drugs. Maybe husband and wife, maybe you're not intimate, so pornography seems to be a good option. And we find ourselves in these things that pacify us only to find out that they're prolonging and complicating the problem, not fixing it. We've all gone through them. I mean, I look at my life and there's probably two significant things that I can think of. I remember when my parents divorced. I didn't know why they divorced, but my dad left when I was nine. And it was just this, I, I, I look back at it and I just realized I was, I was mad and angry and I was doing all of these things. It wasn't until I was 35 years old where I just realized that the way that I treated people and my relationships, they, they were so shallow and distant. And it's because I never really understood what happened. My dad left the family. I, I, I think about when my girlfriend in high school uh, broke up with me. And again, that may not seem significant for you, but it was probably the first time I'd really truly opened my heart to another person to that level because I was so broken because of my dad. And I remember I was so angry and mad. You know, it, it, I always talk about dropping out. Of, I dropped out of high school because I was so hurt and so wounded. I just needed to go do drugs and play music. And I ended up shipwrecking my life for years as a result of that broken relationship. The good news is I found the best woman on planet earth, you know, and that was a good thing out of that situation, you know, but <laughs> wherever you're at, baby, I love you. See, see, we all go through them and, and these things really happen to us. And so, so it's important when we when we're trying to do life and we're opening up our hearts and trying to build relationships that when something happens, that we understand what we need to do. And what those, those principles really are is it's called about developing healthy boundaries. Boundaries are biblical. God established plenty of biblical boundaries himself. He also gave us plenty of principles in scripture to build healthy boundaries. But there's really two types of boundaries that we should all establish in our life. Whether you're having a relational challenge now or not, we should all have these kinds of boundaries in our life. One is called a defining boundary and the other is called a protective boundary. 
a defining boundary is simply this. It's, it's a boundary that you establish that really is biblically based, it's non-negotiable, and it's unchangeable. It's actually based on the word of God. You look at the word and you say, this is who I am. I'm not gonna allow a parent, a coworker, a friend, a peer, anybody to define me. I'm not average, I'm not insignificant, I'm not a loser. I am a child of God. I am an heir of God. I am a joint heir of Christ. His plans for me are good and not evil. And you begin to look at the word of God and what he thinks about you, that begins to be your defining boundary. You have to say, this is who I am. That applies also to all of your relationships. When you think about what God says about you, you have to recognize that he's trying to help you to define what life looks like for you. Here, here's just an example. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, don't you realize that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? He says, you don't belong to yourself for God brought, bought you with a price. So you must honor God with your body. That's pretty defining. It's a non-negotiable. Here are some relational boundaries that I find in Scripture that I've applied to me practically. And I'll just read. These are mine. These are taken out of my journal. But I'm just going to be vulnerable. I will forever serve God with my whole heart, mind, and strength every day, all day. I, I read this Scripture and I realize I'm not even my own person. I don't even own this. I, don't, I didn't give myself life. We spend so much of our day planning our own day and our own ideas and our own dreams. What does God have to say about it? I could be doing so many other things with my life. I've chosen to do this simply because I'm being obedient to what he's asked me to do. And so I have to start. Every day I wake up and I say, God, Romans 12, come on. I present my body to you with a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable service, meaning... Even if I give him everything to die for him, as he says, that's just the beginning point. I'm the potter, you're the clay. What would it look like if we started every day that way? Thinking about what he wants you to do for that day versus what you want to do for that day. And you think about all your relationships and it applies specifically to that. How about this one? I will always be faithful to my wife and give only her my heart ever, period. There's just no other option. I'm gonna be madly in love with my wife. I'm gonna honor her, serve her. My eyes are focused on her. There's no one that compares. It's a non-negotiable. It's actually biblical too, by the way. What would it look like, guys, if all that you thought about was your wife and not pictures and not girls at work and next door neighbors and let's just be honest see you have to establish these boundaries they're non-negotiable I will follow biblical truths even if they aren't popular and they cost me my life there's a lot of things when I read scripture today is definitely not popular out there today that apply to relationships and apply to, there's just certain things I am unwilling to give up when it comes to biblical truth. And maybe you should. 
Maybe you're single, maybe you're in high school. The Bible talks about sex before marriage is wrong. It's unpopular for me to say that. But you know what? I say it unapologetically because it's Bible. And if you have a problem with that, take it up with the Bible. And so my point is this, is God says that to help you, not to hurt you. It's a relational boundary. It's a non-negotiable saying, if this is what God says, even though I want this really bad, I have to put a boundary around this behavior because if I don't, it's going to hurt me. It's going to come back to bite me. So we say that in love to help. We have to realize that there's these things called defining boundaries. There's also a thing called protective boundaries. And these are boundaries that are basically changeable, Uh, They adjust based on circumstance. They're things that you do to guard your heart. They're movable. So it's it's like you you set up a a boundary that helps you to keep yourself from harm. And if that person gets better in a relationship, you can move the boundary. And so it's movable depending upon circumstance. Listen what it says in Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else. Sounds like a boundary scripture. For it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. How does that apply to your relationships? I mean, I read scripture and it says things like this. Bad company corrupts good morals. So what's that say about our relationship? Well, if that person is a bad influence on me, I better set up a boundary. Don't yoke yourself unequally with unbelievers. Say, well, if you're a believer and you fall in love with someone, that relationship, if they're not a believer, maybe shouldn't be something that you really should be thinking about. Wow, I'm just going to win him to Christ. Well, let me know how it works for you. The Bible says we shouldn't do that. Take it up with Jesus. But see, see, there's these principles there that society just screams at us and tells us that, listen, we're narrow-minded. Listen, it's okay to be narrow-minded if you know you're right. It's just to help us. We've been so culturalized in our society today where we just, we just want to just ignore them or get mad at them because we want something more out of our carnality than we do out of sight of our wisdom. And I'm just telling you, I've done this long enough to know that, listen, I've got to put some defining boundaries in my life and I've got to put some protective boundaries in my life. And if I can do that, as I walk through relationships and challenges, I know where to draw boundaries and where to move boundaries and where to keep boundaries and I can live a relatively happy healthy, whole life, despite everything going on around me. So, so let me just do this in, in just the last few minutes that we have together. Let me just talk about some practical things that you can do in relationship to all of those friends around you, family around you. How do you establish healthy boundaries for you? Here's here's the first thing that every one of us should do if we haven't done them, is define who you are. 
For me, I, I've got six life values I pray over my life every day. Love, serve, honor, excellence, empowerment, and faith. They're not just life values, they're relational values. I'm going to love every person. Love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to love everybody. I'm going to serve. I'm going to pick up trash. I'm going to be right alongside of every person and serve you to honor you and to lift you up. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve just like Jesus. It applies to relationship. Honor. I'm going to honor you. You as a person. Empower. I just, I want God to do the best in every person. I'm going to cheer you on. I'm going to be the first person taking notes in the front row. Why? Because I want people to feel empowered and that I trust them and I love them, right? So define who you are. Set up those boundaries in your life. This is who God told me to be. And just do that. Here's the second thing that that, that all of us should do is that we should define who we are not. Don't listen to culture, pop culture, society, media, entertainment about how to build relationships or how to do love. I I mean, it's stuff like, you know, I'm I'm just not gonna do drugs. It's just because it's hurtful. It'll mess up all my relationships. I'm not, you know, again, I I choose not to drink. I'm not saying that you don't have to, but I I just don't. I don't don't look at pornography because it's going to mess up my relationship with my wife and my own life. And so there's there's certain things that you go, I'm not going to be that person. That's called a boundary. Here's who I'm going to be. Here's who I'm not going to be. And I'm drawing a line and I'm making a choice today saying, I will no longer be that. And you watch how that personal decision impacts and empowers and enhances the relationships around you. The third thing is this, is learn to say no with conviction. Nancy Reagan, for those of you that would be old to know who she even is, had it right when she just said, just say no. Just say no. If you're getting to a situation with a person, whether it's a conversation or maybe some kind of sexual behavior that you know you shouldn't be in or some kind of argument that you don't want to be engaged in, just just say no. Just say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to engage in that conversation. I'm not going to get engaged in that kind of behavior. I'm not going to go to that bar with those guys. I'm not going to go to that strip club. I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm saying, no, that's not me. Because when you cross it, yeah, come on. When we cross it, we find ourselves feeling bad about ourselves. You feel shame and regret and all of a sudden the relationship's funny and you don't know how to deal with it. But if you would have said no here, you wouldn't have to deal with all of the trauma over here. Here's another good one. I love this one. Stop blaming others. Listen, we're not responsible for the behavior, the attitudes, or the devastating words that people speak to you. But we are responsible for how we respond. And the best that we can, I I, I just, it's like I got to put a boundary up and say, I'm not going to allow 
your behavior to devastate my life. I'm just not going to do it. It may sound hard. It might even sound a little non-Jesus. But it's not like I'm going to open up my heart and just go, hey, just spit on me and hit me with a bat. No. So I'm going to come to this place and realize that I'm going to take responsible for my own actions. What you allow, you empower. What you allow, you embrace. You enable someone to continually treat you that way simply because you haven't said no. So set that limit. Have that conversation. Say, no, here's, again, grace. We want grace. Grace is good. Come on, everybody wave at me. Grace is good. So I want to have grace for someone, but I also want to set up a limit. And I, I just want to be able to say, hey, listen, just to let you know that if, if you keep speaking to me in the manner that you're speaking to me, this conversation's coming to a close. I love you. Listen, I want relationship with you. But it's like, like, it's just like, I'm not going any further. So what is it where you continually feel abused and beaten and hurt, taken advantage of? And out of love, just come to that place, which is the next one. Just be honest and just go, you know what? I love you. But we're just not, I, I, I can't do this anymore. You know what's interesting when I find most of the time when I have a conversation with people in honesty, with love, speak truth and love as it says, is I find people oftentimes go, I had no idea. I was so blind to it. Would you forgive me? If we go in love and grace and just go, here's where I'm at. This is why this is really hurting me. This is how I feel when you do this to me or when you ask me to behave in this manner. Just gotta say, you know, I just really feel like it violates me. Would you please help me? And just be honest with them. And you're gonna find it will really help in this last one and then I'm done. Pray and believe God for the best. If I was to show you my prayer journal, you'd think I was a crazy man. Because every place that I see a flaw, a weakness, a relational tension, something going on with a staff person, a family member, I pray over it. Because if I don't get God involved in it, He can't help me with it. And I realize I've been trying to do it too much on my own strength. And if I just actually pray and believe, come on, isn't it say what love is? Love believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What would it look like if you spent as much time praying for that relational tension as you did complaining about it? What would it look like? What would it look like every one of us in this church begin to say, I'm going to strive for unity? Because I go back to the words of Jesus as we started today. He says, Father, this is what I'm praying. I'm praying that they would be one as you and I are one. Lord, that you would be in them and I would be in you and you would be in them and that there would be this whole thing called perfect unity so that the world would know it's not too good to be true.
that we can actually live these kinds of relationships. Would you do me a favor? Would you, would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Lord, we know that, uh, God, these truths, Lord, go very deep into our heart, Lord. We live in such a broken and hurting world. Lord, there's probably not a person in this room or listening online that hasn't been affected or impacted by a broken relationship. Lord, I know that there's some here today, Lord, that even are struggling deeply, just trying to get through another day. Lord, I know this room's filled with people that have distant relationships with parents. Some have been abused sexually, physically, verbally. But there's some in this room that are struggling through a divorce, tensions with siblings, coworkers, boss. God, it's just so complex, God. God, we, we, we need you. God, we need you to help us, God. Lord, I just, I just want to give an opportunity for anybody that's in this place, anybody that's listening anywhere on, around the world. Lord, that doesn't first have a relationship with you. God, it is impossible to do relationships right with others if they're not right with you.